Welcome back to the Blockade Runner podcast. If you listen to our most recent episode on the audio feed here, um, you know that this is uh, part two of our, our most recent recording that we did uh, on YouTube. So um, the entire episode is available there as one long video, but um, our, our previous uh, audio show, the first half of this recording, uh, was all about Battlefront 2. Um, and the beta that came out this week, so you can check that out on the feed. But um, the second half is about um, recent Star Wars books, including um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Phasma, um, a quick chat about from a certain point of view, uh, which we are just starting now. So we'll come back to that one on a future episode. Um, then we also touch on um, the news with J.J. Uh, Abrams directing Episode 9, which we hadn't talked about on the show yet. And um, we uh, chat a little bit about the upcoming Last Jedi trailer, which will be airing um, tomorrow night, Monday, October 9th. And um, we also discussed this uh, this um, service or site called MoviePass at the end, which may be... Um, a uh, pretty affordable way to see The Last Jedi a ton of times in theaters this December, January, and beyond. All right. Um, well, I have a, a couple other topics here, Ryan, for the show today. We are going to go through much more quickly. Um, I don't know. Uh, we, we have both read Leia, Princess of Alderaan and Phasma in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I think a better transition, though, would be what I just added to the show notes, which mm-hmm. is Inferno Squad, um, the Battlefront 2 tie-in prequel novel. Okay, so tell me about um, it. Are you reading it? You did read it? Where are we at with that? I did read it. I did finish it. Um, I really, really liked it. Okay. Um, yeah, it was uh, great. And um, really, um, really made me, I don't want to say empathize with um, Iden Versio, but like understand that character. Um, and I think the book does a good job of like, um, again, kind of in the same way Claudia Gray's Lost Stars did that idea of like, this is why someone would commit themselves willingly to the empire. Um, this is what they see and this is how they feel about it. And these are the things that pull at them, but, um, still like overall they do see the the order that the empire or the first order brings to the galaxy as um you know as a positive like recognizing maybe there's some flaws maybe there's some things that feel weird but it's uh the you know just i mean in the same way like i think us citizens of uh you know developed countries feel about uh some of the imperialism that uh, our countries do and have taken part in, Um, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's some uncomfortable stuff, but they still see it like as the greater good. Um, And I think it's just, it, it just does a really good job with that theme. And I think um, it's given me a really interesting perspective going into Battlefront two um and playing that single player mode because there's like 
um, a couple characters that um, I actually really like in Inferno Squad. And there's also um, one character I do not like at all. And um, I'm wondering what the fate of these characters is going to be um, in the in the single player portion of the game. Um, so cool, cool, cool. Yeah, um, my my reading schedule right now is I uh, I read through Leia and Phasma. I'm reading from a certain point of view. We'll talk about all those briefly here in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. And then I obviously want to read that Legends of Luke Skywalker book, um, which. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish it was at New York Comic Con this uh, weekend. I think it's going on this weekend, right? Because um, yeah. they're selling that book early there, so uh, that that book's oh, out in the wild for I know, right? <laughs> so that would be cool. Uh, but it's still a couple weeks until that one comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna read that right away, and I think I'll read that over you know the course of a couple of days. But then about early to mid November, uh, I'm gonna read Battlefront two because I, I didn't read it this summer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I for sure want to read that before. Um, before the game comes out. So tell me real quickly, though, um, what is the time frame that this this book covers? Because uh, I know the single-player uh, portion of Battlefront 2 covers, I think, from the Battle of Endor all the way up into the sequel era, maybe Battle mm-hmm. of Jakku or something, right? Um, or no, that would be actually way past that. So, uh, But anyways, um, Endor all the way up through the sequel era. So what, which, you know, where, where is this book fitting into that timeline? So it's the formation of Inf- Inferno Squad. Okay. So it'll be um, after Endor, or is it before Endor? Before Endor. Oh, okay, okay. Before Endor, yeah. Okay. I believe. Well, I know. I know yeah, that. Like, I'm really second guessing myself, oh, but well, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, I was just curious because, like, I know in the trailer, you know, Aiden Versio there is talking to her father, and like the mm-hmm. Emperor's just died and all that stuff. So. Um, I just didn't know if like if that was before um, Inferno Squad was a thing, or if that was after or during or whatever. So no, um, no, um, and that's another thing. Like that gave me chills to see in the trailer, like her talking to her father, because that relationship is really well defined in the book. Mm-hmm. So like actually, just literally, just seeing her talking to her father, like every word had weight in that trailer because of reading the book. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, do you, last question then can, do you, can you tell, or do you know if the book, if there's going to be some overlap in terms of her story being told like in the book and the game, or is the book truly like, we're going to tell a certain portion of her life in the book and then you'll pick it up in the game and get, you know, totally different stuff there. Um, I, say. I, yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like it's going to be kind of like a catalyst Rogue One situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, where like you can you can kind of get you know from the opening moments of Rogue One, you kind of get the relationship between the Ursos and Krennic. Uh, but if you read Catalyst, like you get it on such a deeper level. Um, I think it's going to be kind of like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. That sounds uh, that sounds really good. I'm uh, I'm excited for for reading that here in November to prime me for the uh, the single player mode in um, in Battlefront Two. Yeah. Um, so okay, very good transition, Ryan. Well done. Thank you. No problem. Um, but then uh, the the book I'm most excited about that I've read recently, and I know you read as well as Leia, Princess of Alderaan. From- I haven't finished it yet. 
Are you serious? I'm so serious. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. realize that. So no, I, I shouldn't spoil the ending here then? Is that... Well, we shouldn't do that anyways. I know. We, yeah. A lot of people haven't read no. it. But, <laughs> yeah. And we, we're not going to do that with any of these. But No, 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 no. No, just quick. Yeah, just quick no, I'm, I'm only about a, a quarter of the way through it. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, then I will uh, tread very lightly. But, uh, you know, really what I wanted to say about it is that it's incredible. Um, Claudia Gray is just without a doubt, you know, one of the best um, Star Wars writers working today. She's amazing. Um, three for three. Um, mm. And uh, this book, you know, uh, I would say it fits somewhere in between um, Lost Stars and uh, the the previous uh, Leia book that she did. Um, moving, no, what was the name of the? the Bloodline. Bloodline, Bloodline. Um, in the sense that it definitely feels more YA than Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, because it's focused on Leia, uh, I guess you'd say, because it's focused on her, it's it feels uh, kind of in between the two. You know, like Lost Stars was was pretty soap opery at times. You know what I mean? Like, um, just in terms Beautifully of like, so the yeah, best yeah. soap opera, space yes. opera. Okay, yes, yes, yes. But I'm just saying, like, it was very much like, um, you know, young adults. I think a lot of having adults, a lot of feels. Yeah, and yeah, and and I think they 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 enjoy that like dramatic relationship type thing in in their storytelling, as do I. I often tell my students that mm-hmm. young adult fiction is like my favorite genre. Like I love YA stuff, so I don't mean to, yeah. I, I in, in no way mean to uh, belittle at all because I, I really enjoy it. Some of my favorite, all of my favorite books almost are from that genre. But um, this one just feels like there's there's definitely some element of that in this story about Leia, but it it, it feels like. I guess as much as everybody loved Love Star or Lost Stars, Love Stars, every, as much as everybody loves Lost Stars, like sometimes, you know, if I'm going to recommend it to an adult, I feel like I need to say like, it's an amazing story. It's a great book, but you know, it is like a book for young adults and it's going to not, you know, you have to be okay with that. You know what I mean? If you're going to enjoy Lost Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's true for Leia, Princess of Alderaan, but not, maybe not as much so um, as with Lost Stars. So, um, but anyway, uh, it is, uh, it's a lot of fun, super good. And I think that Claudia Gray does a really great job of, uh, of capturing the character of Leia, ca- capturing her essence, um, writing in her voice, you know, um, she, uh, she writes Leia, I think as well as anybody, um, better than most for sure. So, uh, that, that has been really satisfying with it. And, um, I guess I won't say too much, Ryan, since you're still reading the book, but, uh, but uh, you know, being introduced to uh, Amelyn Haldo, uh, who we know is going to be a, a pretty important character in the Last Jedi, is uh, is very cool. Here, um, I feel like I know what that character is about um, to a to a large degree at this point. Um, although she's very young here, obviously this is way before the events of the Last Jedi, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much she has changed potentially. Um, you know, Princess of Alderaan is set obviously before A New Hope. Um, so you're talking 30, you know, plus years, um, between this book and, uh, and the sequel trilogy. So we'll see what she's like in, in The Last Jedi. But, um, but yeah, that was, I, I I don't think I knew that that was going to be a key component of this book going into it or maybe not key component, but, uh, you know, a significant character. That she was going to make an appearance. Yeah. I had no idea until I started seeing it like on people posting on my Twitter and then there's one revelation about her that uh, got picked up by a lot of like news outlets. Um, 
I personally think that's been overblown myself, though. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Well, well, let the reader decide. Yeah, I just, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the kind of thing that makes for a news story. That is true. I just feel like it yeah. was uh, it was vague enough that it could have referred to her being interested in people of all genders and sexes, or it could have just been her saying, I'm interested in lots of different species, not just humans. So I feel like it, you know, it was, it was left where you didn't know exactly what she meant by that, but, um, but yeah, whatever it's, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, but I, I'm enjoying reading about her and she's been in the book more than, uh, than I thought maybe she would be too. So, you know, she's not, it's not that she shows up early on and then that's it. You know, she's, she's in the book throughout. So, so that That's is cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm really uh, excited about that character. And uh, I love Laura Dern. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think she's going to bring a fantastic presence. Yeah. And, and you know, it uh, remains to be seen how her story will play out in The Last Jedi. There's been some talk mm-hmm. of can we trust her? Can we not trust her? Et cetera. Like, we don't really know what her role will be in this movie. Mm-hmm. But um, she is um, a member of the Resistance, as far as we know, in... Uh, in the last Jedi and with, um, you know, Carrie Fisher having passed away and Leia presumably not really factoring into episode nine. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if, uh, there's an opportunity for that character to grow a little bit, uh, going forward too. you know, if she'll become potentially more important to the story than she otherwise would have. Um, it's a possibility, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, you did read Phasma. You're done with I Phasma. I did. Okay, mm-hmm. I finished Phasma yesterday, so I'm through Princess of Alderaan and Phasma. Uh, Phasma, mm-hmm. I did not like as much as I enjoyed Leia. Um, <laughs> and I think you were in the same spot I was with Phasma, which is that I really liked the beginning and I liked the end of the book, but the uh, the middle section I was less keen on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say you feel the same way? Yeah, and I think we've, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Um and like just how much we wish this was a YA book mm. um, trimmed about a hundred pages, trim out some of the um, like more extreme violence in it, uh, which doesn't feel totally Star Wars. Um, and yeah, just trim a whole bunch of that middle. Yeah. <laughs> Um, But again, like it starts super strong. It has like a really compelling setup and it ends super strong too, which um, is makes it like a book that like I, I want to recommend, but with the, with the caveat that the middle is, there's so much unnecessary stuff in the middle that just, is just there and Mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't progress the characters at all like there's there's literally like i think at least 50 pages you could probably just like literally rip out of the book (laughs) and like the characters will be the same after that as they were going in and you're just avoiding reading some kind of uninteresting stuff yeah for sure it's it's uh it's a weird one because you know it's a book that's meant to shed more light on the character of phasma and i think ultimately it is successful in doing that um Mm -hmm. 
you know, you do learn about Phasma and uh, you do understand, you know, where she comes from and what motivates her uh, after reading the book. But it's also like Phasma is a mysterious character and she doesn't speak a lot. And, um, you know, I think it, they rightfully um, made the choice to keep her um, pretty, um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like disconnected or like emotionally just very... Um, uh, guarded. guarded and removed. And and so what that means is the whole like middle section, really like about 70% of the book focuses on these other characters from her planet um, so that we can sort of understand who she is through the way they interact with her and, and stuff like that. But in the end of the, at the end of the day, these characters like really um, mm, the characters and that whole section of the story, it's a really lengthy extended way of telling us some very simple things about Phasma. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it didn't require 280 yeah. pages to like, I almost feel like this, the story of Phasma could have been just as effectively told in a short story, like a 30 page story or something, honestly, mm -hmm. um, uh, because there's not that much that you can reveal about a character like that without removing too much of the mystique from her. So I think it protected her mystique, the book, the way it was written, mm -hmm. but it was also just like, I just, you know, <laughs> Very quickly, once I got into the the sort of main section of the book, which doesn't really involve the first order that much. I mean, it does to it does to a degree, but mm -hmm. when I'm on that planet that Phasma's from, and I'm being purposely vague here, but when we're at, when we're when we're reading about that planet that she's from, and that's the majority of the book, it just feels like very much labored beyond what it needed to be, and much longer than it needed to be, and I could do without a lot of it, honestly. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not one of my favorite Star Wars books, but I I did think the beginning and the end were really strong. Um, it's 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 one of those things where you know, like I think the, the author Delilah S. Dawson is great. I really enjoyed her um, her story and in, in the the Force Awakens uh, Aliens book, and uh, you know I look I I will look forward to reading more books from her, more Star mm -hmm. Wars books from her. But I just think that the the setup for this book or the the kind of conceit for this story and 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 the choice to focus it so much on this. Parnassus planet that Phasma is from is uh, is where it kind of lost me. Yeah, and it almost just it almost feels like it was, you know, this was made to be like the big like Force Friday adult book, mm -hmm. um, and I think it was like in the same way like Aftermath was um, in the original F Force Friday, and um, I think like you know you needed this like hardcover important grown-up book there where like this i definitely think could have been served better in like a smaller form because there's a lot that this book does so well like i love the um just the way the story is framed um through uh characters who are not who are not directly you know um, in the, I don't even want to like give anything away because like, it's so interesting when you actually read it yourself. I was so surprised. Um, but the setup is like, it's so good. And like, and I feel like there's a story within the story that's actually a bit more satisfying than the, the Phasma story. Um, and I was like really into uh, that side of it. And it is interesting reading about uh, Brendel Hux, um, who's a, an important character in this and um, 
understanding more of the origins of the First Order, because you do get um, a lot of that in there. But um, I would actually recommend, um, before reading this, and I recommended this to Kevin, because he had not finished um, Empire's End, but I, I strongly recommend reading the Aftermath trilogy first, and it will it really gives like uh there's like a definite like connective tissue um that kind of um phasma i think like expands on that story especially the stuff in empire's end um if and like i do feel like i finally have like a strong grasp on what the first order is um Mm -hmm. who they are how they were formed um and i feel like walking away from this book like i'm more satisfied with some of that knowledge and the uh in the mini story within the story than i am with the phasma stuff even though by the end like you do also have a really good idea yeah who phasma is yeah yeah for sure and i think we should move on from talking about you know this book just because you know we don't want to give too much away and and whatnot Mm -hmm. um but i would say uh just real quickly on that point um, number one, the Brendel Hawks and Armitage or Armitage uh, Hawks mm-hmm. stuff is really cool. Um, yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, like I just finished this book yesterday. And when I finished it, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that is a cool revelation about Brendel Hawks and his son and the relationship and all that stuff. But you know what? You didn't really need like the book focuses on Brendel and Phasma and some other characters for 250 pages on Phasma's planet. But what's really cool and what's really revealed about Brendel, I feel like you could take out that whole middle section. It wouldn't matter. Like just knowing what I know about him, the way he interacted with his son and the way he interacted with Phasma, mm-hmm. I got everything I needed about that just in those few chapters that are on the Star Destroyer, you know, in the First Order setting or whatever. And like seeing them together for all those chapters for hundreds of pages, you could take that out. And I still like, I get what I need to know about Brendel, um, General Hux and Phasma just from how they interact with one another on the ship for the most part, you know? Um, yeah. So it really wasn't, it, it's cool what it, what it reveals about those characters, but it's not necessary to drag it out like it did, which I guess mm-hmm. is a point we already made. So, um, yeah. and then the other thing is like, I totally agree on the first order, the formation of the first order. Um, you take these couple books and put them together and you get a, a strong understanding of kind of how, um, the empire turned into the first order and from a military perspective, what the generals and soldiers and, and people like mm-hmm. that, um, what their motivation is and how it all came together. I think that stuff's really cool, but there's a whole other half of the first order, which I think we still don't have a lot of insight into, which is like Snoke and Kylo Ren and, and mm-hmm. sort of like their motivation, which I'm not complaining. I, I yeah. don't think that we necessarily need to know that stuff yet. I think and that's movie stuff. It's movie stuff or and and then when they want to get more into it, potentially, I think it's better to do that after this trilogy is over so that, you know, um, I think it's best to reveal it's best to reveal whatever needs to be revealed by the movies in the movies and not, you know, mess that up by having it in a book first or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So sure. I'm, I'm all about like going out after the, the movies come out and, you know, sort of expanding on that lore that's mm-hmm. that's revealed in the movie. But uh I never want to have the experience where I'm sitting down to watch a new Star Wars movie and be like, yeah, I already knew all that. You know what I mean? Because I read the books. Like, I, I don't want that experience. Yeah. So I think it's better to to do it the way they're doing it, which is to reveal things in the films first and then expand on that um, afterward. And uh, I think that's that's the way to go. Yeah, because uh, basically this is like 
imagine if you were able to roll into a new hope like actually understanding what a moth was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's uh that's what you're that's what you're getting here right right um, right right but you're not you you don't understand how, how the emperor became the emperor and what his right. motivations are and stuff like that because that's yeah. you don't need that to understand a new hope and in fact it's much better to reveal those things and return the jedi than than in a book you read before you saw the movies for sure yep yep so. cool um so that's uh that's leia princess of alderaan and phasma both books that were released on force friday um i can very confidently say my favorite of the two is leia princess of alderaan um i would read that one before phasma but uh there is good stuff in phasma as well it's just um you know there's a chunk of it that's uh, not as satisfying as i wish it was so think that's where we both fall on those ones now a book that came out earlier this week is from a certain point of view which uh is a super fun book so far i'm early i'm only 80 pages in how far are you into that one ryan i've only read the first story okay all right cool so there's uh there's a lot of uh from a certain point of view um for both of us to read it's about a 450 page book i think Mm -hmm. and it is the one that collects 40 stories um that are all uh sort of about um you know, a new hope characters and scenarios from a new hope. So it's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's the book that's, uh, celebrating 40 years of star Wars and, um, all of the, uh, the big hitters in the, uh, in the star Wars, um, you know, writing, uh, universe are, are, are contributing books for the story. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo has a story and, uh, John Jackson Miller, Claudia Gray, uh, Delilah S. Dawson has a, a story, Chuck Wendig, um, Beth Revis, you know, Jeffrey Brown, Brian has a story. Yes, I know you're a big yes. fan of his. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, Kieran Gillen, mm-hmm. my favorite Star Wars comic writer, mm-hmm. um, who wrote the amazing Darth Vader series and is writing uh, Dr. Afra, mm-hmm. um, which is my favorite Star Wars comic ever. And I believe his story is actually an Afra story. Yeah, I think so. In here, mm-hmm. um, which will be interesting. And how do um, I pronounce this author's name? Charles Soleil. Charles Soul. Oh, Charles Soul. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's, he writes. Um, what did? What's he done? The uh, Anakin and Obi Wan comic series. The Chewbacca. Lando. Is he doing the new Darth Vader? He's doing the yeah. He's doing the new Darth Vader, which I haven't read. Right. So, um, but yeah, there's just I mean, obviously, tons of uh, tons of of uh, Gary Witta. Gary Witta. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's the one who starts the book off. Um, and that's it's a the great one I've read. It's a great story. I love oh, it. It's so good. It's yeah, so it's good. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. I'm super excited about the experience of reading this one. Um, mm-hmm. But we're just kind of dipping our toes into it now. So mm-hmm. I think next time we record. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we even talked about doing a whole show about this book, so we'll, we'll see what we what we end up with or what we decide. But uh, but I think this one's really really fun, and the stories are you know somewhere between like five and ten pages each. It seems like some of them are a little longer, but it's a great kind of like coffee t- uh, coffee table type book, you know, where you could be just picking it up and and reading a story or two like mm-hmm. at a time. Um, you know, I've been reading it in like ten to fifteen minute sessions, and it works really well yeah. that way. So. Um, this one is, uh, really fun. And, uh, another cool thing about it as well is that, um, the, uh, the authors, um, all, um, you know, went without, uh, compensation for the writing. Um, and I think all the proceeds for the book are being donated to this organization called first book, which is a nonprofit that, um, donates, uh, books and other educational materials to, 
um, teachers and children's organizations. So uh, that is really cool. It's nice that uh, that uh, Random House, uh, Penguin, uh, Lucasfilm, uh, all these authors um, all came together with this book to uh, celebrate the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, but then also to you know try to to do some some good with it too. And uh, that that makes the the celebration aspect of it that much more. Um, I don't know that much more uh, pure. I feel like um, yeah. So um, uh, I'm reading here that Penguin Random House donated a hundred thousand dollars to that organization. Lucasfilm donated a hundred thousand children's books, um, which was a one million dollar um, valued donation. So uh, it's just something very cool. So I, yeah. I think you can feel good about picking this one up, in, in the sense that uh, in this case, it's it's not about making money for any of these companies. It's about celebrating the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, and then uh, you know hopefully. Uh, contributing to the cause of helping kids learn to love to read. So I think that's yep. that's super cool. Definitely. I'm a little sad that I didn't get this uh, New York Comic Con exclusive uh, cover for the book. Have you seen that, Ryan? It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Um, and that yes. one you can only get there. So uh, that's that's my only regret with this book is like, oh, my God, I wish I had this, this cover for it. Um, yeah. But uh, I actually posted a, a photo the other day on Instagram. The book looks great without the dust jacket on it, though. It's like a really cool, the spine of the book looks really cool. I don't yeah. have it in here. I have it, it's downstairs right now. But uh, I, lo I love the dust jacket, too, though. Yeah, the dust jacket is good. It's just, you know, that, that Comic-Con exclusive is like out mm. of control. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So anyways, um, highly recommended, even though we're not done with it. But, you know, so far, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And then you added something here about uh, the Mace Windu comic book. Yeah, right yeah. I've only read the first issue, but um, I did not have like super high expectations for this book. Um, I just I thought it would be fine, whatever. Like I, um, I read the Darth Maul um, tie-in comic series, the miniseries, and I couldn't even tell you one thing that happened in it. Like I just read it, and I was like, "This is fine." and then haven't thought about it. But um, so I don't know. It's different, different writers and everything. But um, I didn't have like super high expectations for the, the Mace Windu book. But what I found reading it is like, I'm really surprised that um, how just fun and funny it is. Like it's, there's actually like pretty good humor in it. And I was not expecting it. I thought it was kind of just going to be, you know, Mace Windu being a badass mm -hmm. kind of thing the whole way, which the Darth Maul book is basically Darth Maul being a badass yeah. the whole way, which is like, it's fine. Well, and Mace but... Windu being such a stoic character too, it seems like yeah. that's the way it would go, right? But they introduced, like in this Mace Windu book, they introduced a lot of uh, pretty sassy side characters. And it, I like read it and I was like laughing out loud. I was like, wow, this is really surprising. Um, so I'm super happy with that, and uh, I'm excited to read more issues of it. Okay, so this party's not over yet, but uh, <laughs> but it's just getting started, and you're excited about it. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right, yep. very good, very good. Um, all right, well, uh, we can kind of uh, transition here out of the book talk and into some news that every other Star Wars podcast has already covered in detail, but uh, I just want to spend, you know, five or ten minutes talking about it just to, to sort of see where we're at on this issue. The last time we recorded was after um, 
Colin Trevorrow had been removed from Star Wars Episode Nine, but we didn't know yet. We were speculating about who would potentially be lined up as uh, as the director of of Nine. We uh, we recorded uh, early on that one. If we'd waited a few more days, we would have known. But now we do know that uh, it's J.J. Abrams coming back to direct Episode Nine, and um, that's something I'm really excited about. Um, you know, we 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 were talking and. I think we both definitely, um, you know, landed on on feeling like it would be great if, uh, you know, Trevor O was replaced with a with a female director um, uh, mm-hmm. or someone with the, you know, if they made the choice to to hire someone um, from a more diverse, you know, background to do the movie, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I think that we are definitely looking forward to seeing from Lucasfilm. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of want to leave with that just to to make it known. Uh, that is definitely how we feel about uh, things. Like we, we're looking forward to that. Um, but I, I do think in, in retrospect, it would have been kind of a surprising move for this movie um, because of the fact that it seems like it's really struggling and kind of falling apart. And so I feel like um, regardless of if the director is uh, a woman or, you know, a person of color or whatever it may be, uh, I think in this case, like, it makes most sense for Lucasfilm to hire someone they have already worked with. Um, and I think that's that's what makes... Save this movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like, I, I want to see, um, you know, more diverse choices in terms of who's going to direct Star Wars mm-hmm. movies. I think that'll be great. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're definitely going in that direction. Um, but I think you know, it's no surprise that uh, they're going with somebody that's, you know, already proven, like I can mm-hmm. get a Star Wars film made and yeah. you're not going to have to hire a third director for episode nine. Um, so I think that that makes sense. Um, yeah, they they took the safest bet possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I have made that comment myself a lot of times and I think that's true. But I also think that it, it's sort of, you know, if we, if we, if we think of it just in terms of, well, he's a safe choice, it, it really undersells like JJ. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's not how you mean it, but no. I think we have to expand, you know, beyond looking at him as just a safe choice and, and recognize that, uh, he's not only a safe choice, but he's a guy who directed an incredible star Wars movie. Like I mm-hmm. love the force awakens. Um, I, I love it so much. It's, it's one of my favorite star Wars movies. And so, um, you know, bringing him back to do the last or not the last Jedi, but bringing him back to do episode nine, I think is going to be something that's safe, but also something that should be incredible. You know, if he's able to do uh, something similar to what he did with, with the, the force awakens, then I think we're, we're in for something really exciting. Yeah. It's also like very poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he brought back star Wars and now he's going to like close the, um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Actually, we don't really know. Like, um, we're assuming like this is going to wrap up or give some closure in some capacity to, um, you know, the story of Ray and Finn and Poe and Kylo Ren and Snoke and like all these like characters that now are just like taken for granted within like the star Wars mythos, like they're just star Wars characters. Now they're, you know, right up there with, you know, wedge Antilles and Chewbacca and Lando. Like these are like 
already like legendary Star Wars characters. And I think it's like poetic that he's going to, um, you know, bring some level of conclusion. As we know with Star Wars, no one's story is ever truly finished. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I don't know. Like, I think it's the more, as soon as it was announced, I was, I was just like, yes. That's great. Yeah, it, it makes sense because, like you said, he co-created these characters with Lawrence Kasdan and and uh, you know other writers probably and the other creatives. Group, yeah, yeah at, at Lucasfilm, but he and, and George Lucas, honestly, yeah, um, you know because we don't we don't know exactly how things went down with the Force Awakens, but I think George Lucas's treatment um, and his and, and the, the beginnings of the story that he you know hired um, help me with his name the uh, the first writer on the for, on the Force Awakens. Uh, Oh my god! I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Oh, jeez, um, the little Miss Sunshine guy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, we know who we're talking about, but we can't. Yes. Um, but uh, Toy you know, Story George, Three. <laughs> uh, he writes stuff. Um, no, uh, George. George hired him, um, and I think George kind of, you know, got the ball rolling with him on ter- in terms of like, what is this story going to be about? And um, I think from day one, it was going to be about you know a female protagonist. Um, so I think the seeds were planted for who Ray would become even before JJ and Lawrence Kasdan came on board for the movie. So, um, you know, there was some involvement from them and, you know, who knows was, was, uh, a Snoke-esque character or a Kylo Ren as character, part of George Lucas's treatment. Um, you know, how far did it, uh, did it divert eventually from what George laid out there? But anyway, JJ helped create these characters and I think it's cool to see him come back to kind of wrap up their, their first arc. Um, I do think we'll see more Star Wars movies that uh, that include Ray and you know Poe and Finn and potentially Kylo Ren, depending on what happens with him. But uh, but it, you know, it, I, I think it's certainly set up to be a three part story uh, at least initially, and so it'll wrap up that first um, portion of their story. Um, so that's cool for sure. And you know, I, I we've talked about it many times, but you know, I had some uneasiness with the idea that Star Wars went from being something that was a single person's vision to mm-hmm. um, just something. A committee. A, com- a committee. <laughs> or not even a committee, because a committee, I would have been maybe a little more comfortable if J.J. wasn't doing episode eight and episode nine, but J.J. was sort of like, you know, overseeing things, um, or he was mm-hmm. kind of the the key creative person. We talked about this on the last episode. I think that person is Kathleen Kennedy. Um, yeah. And I'm grateful for that and thankful for that. But, uh, but it does, it does, you know, this, this choice kind of leads us more in that direction of like, Hey, you know, JJ didn't direct episode eight and he didn't write episode eight, but you know, he did start this thing and he is going to end this thing. And so his, mm-hmm. his kind of fingerprints and his, uh, you know, his vision is, is sort of there at the beginning and the end. And, and so in that, in that uh, sense, we're going to get a level of consistency that I think, you know, we're hoping for. So, yeah, definitely. And I think he's a good dude too. Uh, personally, I, he won me over. Uh, I think he's a good, a good guy. And I think he cares about star Wars a lot. And, uh, I have a lot of faith in him and, uh, I'm pulling for him and I think he's going to make a great star Wars movie. So yeah, I'm excited for all of those reasons. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan. Yeah. I've been recording here for a long time. Uh-huh. One last thing I want to talk about. Yeah. And that is the last Jedi. Uh, the trailer is going to come out. I promise. I'm I'm super sure this time. <laughs> it's going to come out Monday night. We're recording this uh, Saturday morning, October seventh, and uh, the Last Jedi trailer. All signs are pointing to it being released on Monday, October 9th during Monday Night Football. Uh, are you there with me that it is a sure thing? 
Uh, it's pretty dang sure. Yeah. Um, Mark I mean, Hamill. Between the Mark Hamill tweet, the there was I saw floating around somewhere. I'm not sure what the source is, but there was like an AMC preparing employees for selling a bunch of Last Jedi tickets on October 9th. So we're thinking the tickets are going to go on sale at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another smoking gun, yeah. another smoking gun uh, is, uh, I don't think you um, probably listened to this show, but I listened to uh, Rebel Force Radio. And that is a show that is done uh, partially from Chicago, um, from the mm-hmm. Chicagoland area. And uh, the host of that show, Jimmy Mack, um, uh, said on their last podcast that he had heard through people he knows in the 501st in Chicago that uh, Lucasfilm had put in a request for uh, stormtroopers to be at the uh, Chicago Bears Minnesota Vikings game in Chicago on Monday night, October 9th. So if, uh, <laughs> if that doesn't seal the deal for you there, Lucasfilm saying, hey, could we get a bunch of stormtroopers at the Monday night football game on October 9th? Um, <laughs> Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and people say there's no American culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I think uh, for sure that that's, that's going to be what we're going to get. We're going to get the trailer yeah. Monday night. Um, that's really exciting. But yeah, if tickets go on sale, then I think I'll be watching the, uh, the trailer from the movie theater on my telephone like I did uh, the first time around with The Force Awakens. Um, yeah yeah i mean i guess depending on the timing um i may have to go hang out at my local alamo draft house mm -hmm. yeah yeah so uh obviously that's that's your preferred choice for for your uh your initial viewing um but with rogue one you didn't get to see i don't don't remember if you saw the force awakens for the first time at alamo but rogue one you didn't see your first viewing at alamo right because you couldn't get the tickets um no we actually I did see, we did see our first viewing at Alamo. We didn't get to go Thursday night. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. You waited until yeah, um, But yeah. Okay, so you did go to Alamo, but but yeah. but you couldn't have gotten, I don't know. It's it's it, it could be tough to get tickets for the Thursday night show at Alamo, right? Yeah. If you're doing it online, but. Well, what, yeah, because I didn't, yeah, we didn't get tickets for Force Awakens. We didn't get tickets for Rogue One for the Thursday night. Right. So, um, so my experience with, um, with the force awakens and you know, well, everybody's experience with the force awakens is, is, is as soon as the tickets went live, uh, all the ticketing sites went down. Um, yep. so I have two hot tips for the last Jedi tickets, um, that I have mm-hmm. here in our show notes. The first one is go to the theater, like I said, and just, you know, stream Monday night football on your phone or whatever you have to do. Um, and which I do anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that every, every Monday night, <laughs> I know I, I can catch you streaming. The game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm usually watching Monday night raw, uh, uh wrestling on, on Monday night. Yeah. Um, but I why, why can't they have the trailer debut there? Dude, like I would totally watch Monday night raw. <laughs> I would be thrilled if, uh, yeah, if uh, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman were the hype men for uh, the Monday night uh, or the yeah, the last Jedi trailer, but I don't think that's my my place. my favorite still is uh, the I think it was uh, Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. um, trailer debuting during the OC. <laughs> like that was so on brand for me. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think there was like a Bright Eyes reference in that episode <laughs> too, and like or Death Cab for Cutie or something. Like it was it was perfect. Uh, I was in my element right yeah. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I prefer Monday Night Football to uh, Monday Night Football premiere for the trailer to uh, the Olympics with row one because, God, we were all mm. sat there watching the Olympics for like so much 10 swimming. hours straight. Yeah, so much swimming <laughs> is right. They finally put the trailer on at like midnight or something. So at least we have an idea. I think it'll be at halftime. Um, so we, we have a pretty good idea of like when when the trailer will, mm. will go live. But well, I'm sure we'll find out more. Um, I actually saw some talk about it on, on Twitter because I was kind of expecting last week on Wednesday during the Star Wars show that they would announce like, hey, next Monday, that's the trailer. They didn't. Mm. But uh, some people were talking on Twitter and pointing out that with both The Force Awakens and, and Rogue One, the, uh, the, the big trailer was announced the day before it aired. So um, it was Monday Night Football for The Force Awakens, and they announced that that trailer would be shown during Monday Night Football on Sunday. Um, and then same thing with the Rogue One trailer. They announced it the day before. So uh, I think we can hopefully look forward to, it seems like they're very much following the same pattern here. So probably sometime tomorrow, we'll get the announcement that the last tra- the last Jedi trailer is going to be Monday night. And then uh, we can look forward to, to watching it then. So that's exciting. But yeah, I would say be there in person at your theater if you're concerned mm-hmm. about getting tickets um, for the first show. You know, that being said though, uh, with The Force Awakens and Rogue One, um, you could get tickets to a Thursday night screening at my local theater for weeks, if not months afterward, maybe right. all the way up to the first night. So at our theater, there is, uh, our, our local theater has an IMAX screen. Um, it's not like real IMAX, uh, in the sense that it's not, you know, the giant, giant screen, but it is the best sound and the biggest picture in our local theater. So, um, most of our friends here in town are, are uh, determined to get tickets to that showing. And that show has reserved seats, which is really nice too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that theater, I should say. So, you know, we kind of really want to get tickets to that particular showing. Mm. But if you're not that concerned about that sort of thing and you just want to see it on Thursday night, the night it, you know, it first comes out, you probably actually don't have to buy tickets immediately first thing Monday night. So I guess you could stay home and watch Monday Night Football from the, the uh, comfort of your own home. Mm. And... Uh, you know, but that'll be up to you and what you're what you're really hoping to to achieve with your last Jedi tickets. Uh, but my second hot tip here, Ryan, I don't know if you took a look at this at all um, in mm-hmm. the show notes. Yeah. This is something I did not know about until yesterday. My friend Kelsey told me about this, but I I'm blown away by the possibility there is a website uh, or a a company called Movie Pass, and we'll put the the link in the show notes here. But uh, this company called Movie Pass, which previously had offered this card that was uh, it was like a $39.99 a month subscription and they send you a card in the mail and then you use that card. It's like a credit card or something. You use it to buy your tickets at a movie theater. And for that $39.99 a month price, you could go to one movie every day as much as you wanted to. So you could go to movie every one movie every day for the entire month for that one $9.99 uh, or $39.99 a month price which is pretty good if you go to a lot of movies to spend spend $40 for a month worth of movies. It's really mm-hmm. good. Now they've dropped the price to $9.99 a month. So for $10 a month, you're able to go see a movie every single day, supposedly. Uh, I can't wholeheartedly or entirely recommend this because I haven't tried it yet, but mm-hmm. you can bet I am going to be subscribing in December if uh, things stay the same so that I can go see The Last Jedi um, all the time. You know? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a crazy, crazy cool deal. So I saw The Force Awakens a bunch of times in the theater, nine times. I saw Rogue One, I think five or six. But honestly, I would have seen them more if it didn't cost money. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, with this 
with this system, with this, uh, this company and this deal, apparently it, it basically doesn't cost money. You know, you pay 10 bucks to see the movie as many times as you want, uh, all month long. So, um, we'll see, but I, I would recommend, uh, anybody watching or listening to, you know, click the link and check it out and see what you think at least. Cause that is a, that's a possibility, especially with the movie coming out during the holiday. Like a lot of people have a lot of time off and it's just be pretty mm. cool to go see the last Jedi all the time. Yeah. I wonder if there will, will be like an asterisk, uh, like in there, like, yeah, any movie except no star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's possible, but, uh, as of now, there's nothing like that. Uh, well, and like, aren't, aren't there only certain theater chains that support this and certain like a- actual theaters that, sub- that, yeah. Support it. Yeah, I got yeah, I think so. Although the way the branding or the or the messaging I should say works on the site, it's like any theater, any chain. So I think almost all of them do. Uh I mean I would be surprised if this works at your Alamo draft house or whatever. Um mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh but you can put yeah. your zip code in on the site and it'll show you a map of all the theaters that are uh that participate. So you can you can see if your if your theaters do it or not. Um and it, it, it's like a third-party company not associated with any of the theater chains as far as I know. So uh, I don't really know how it works. Um, I think they've kind of set it up so it's hard for the theater chain not to use it because it's like a it's like a card that you swipe. Um, so, you know, I think it's almost like in the same sense that when you use a credit card, like it's a third party that's kind of paying the theater. You know, you pay the yeah. credit card, the credit card pays the theater. I think it's something similar to that with this card. So, um I don't know. It's a weird thing, but uh, it's something. I, I feel like there's got to be a catch. <laughs> I do too. Like I that's do too. it. Just seems too good to be true. Uh, yeah, I know. That's the way I feel about it, also. And uh, so I'm not telling anybody to go spend their ten bucks right now. Um, although, I mean, it's ten. Bucks. It's worth the gamble for ten yeah. bucks. I feel like with the Last Jedi, but uh, but yeah, as of now, it's any movie, so um, it doesn't have any asterisks like that or anything. So, mm-hmm. only problem with this is you can't go see the Last Jedi um, more than once in a day. So that might be an issue like for our friends at Blast Points, uh, Jason and Gabe. Uh, I think those guys sometimes like to go see a movie like three times in the same day, a Star Wars movie. Um, I remember them talking about either Force Awakens or Rogue One. I think it was Jason saying like, yeah, just uh, went in the morning and then I went again in the afternoon. I went later that night. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this wouldn't work for you then. But uh, yeah, you know, I, want checking out. To, I, I want to make it a goal this time to go to a um a very early screening of uh of the last jedi because i remember for force awakens um our alamo had like four and five a.m screenings which i just feel like would be kind of like weird and surreal um (laughs) to uh to go to i never went to one for last jedi but that opening weekend so i think like the Saturday or something, if they do like a 5 a.m. screening, like I'm just going to show up there in some Star Wars PJs and uh, have a have a mimosa or something. That would rule. Watch it. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Perfect. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario in which I don't go Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday that weekend mm-hmm. if this movie passing works, you know, because um, mm-hmm. that's what holds me back in in the past. It's like, you, I do start to feel guilty when I'm spending 60, 70, 80 dollars in a single weekend on seeing the same movie over and over. You know, yeah. um, it feels irresponsible to a certain extent. Not that I don't want to do it, but you know what I mean? Like, I temper myself a little bit because you're spending so much money and 
um, yeah. just doesn't seem like the right thing to do um, mm -hmm. at a certain point, uh, or at least questionable if it's the right thing to do. But, uh, you know, like I said, 10 bucks a month and I'm going to go all the time. And uh, so I'm pretty excited about at least uh, giving that a shot and seeing how that works out. But yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think we should, uh, we should wrap it up here for, mm -hmm. for this episode. Um, I'm so excited for the trailer though. Uh, I went back and I was watching the force awakens teaser and then comparing that to the final force awakens trailer and just thinking about like what they gave us in that teaser versus how much we got mm. in the, the, the full meal, the big time trailer. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about like how little we've seen of the last Jedi from the teaser that came out of celebration and considering how much more we might get in this trailer, you know, uh, mm. actual characters speaking to one another, you know, like dialogue being yeah. uh, exchanged and um, just glimpses of things that uh, that we haven't seen and probably a better, a better overview of the plot and stuff. I know there's, there's some people who kind of feel like, you know, Hey, um, I've seen enough. I don't want to see any more. I don't want any sure. more spoiled or whatever. I can totally understand that, but um, I am ready for all Lucasfilm limited approved uh, content they want to throw my way. So yeah, I'm stoked for this. Definitely. Cool. Alrighty. Um, oh, and I guess last thing, if you're watching or listening this weekend, um, I think we will be back in some capacity Monday night with a trailer discussion. Um, assuming all goes well. So I don't know who's going to be there. I don't know if you're going to be able to be there, Ryan, uh, with, uh, with, uh, late start times and stuff and you getting yeah, up super probably early. Probably not. Probably not going to maybe, maybe Ryan won't be there. Um, there's the possibility it might just be me and my, me and my poor uh, coffee mug, um, breaking down the trailer that night, but, uh, something's happening, I think Monday night. So I uh, look forward to that. And, um, yeah, we're, uh, let's see what's today. Today is October 7th, so we are just a week away from being two months from The Last Jedi, and uh, it's starting to get pretty uh, starting to get pretty close and super exciting. So can't wait for Monday. Can't wait to get back and, and uh, do some more and do some more Star Wars podcasting with you and uh, hopefully the rest of the crew. But for now, we're going to sign off. So um, check out our blog at blockheadrunnerpodcast.com. Uh, you can email us at uh, blockheadrunnerpodcast@gmail.com. Um, we're on Instagram at Blockade Run. Ryan, you're on Twitter at Braun Jorf, B R A W N D W A R F. Yeah, and you can follow the Blockade Runner account, which I man at Blockade Run on Twitter. Um, we should be back soon with another Power of the '90s episode. We need to jump into 1993. Mm -hmm. so uh hopefully you'll join us for that and um yeah there's just so much good star wars stuff coming in october and november and december of this year i feel like we are uh we're entering into the final three months of the year and those are going to be super star wars heavy so i am looking forward to it um but uh yeah we'll, we'll be back soon so uh we'll, we'll catch you on the next blockade runner podcast and uh thanks for watching thanks for listening and uh we'll see you soon Enjoy the big game. <laughs>